This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Raw Beauty Talks. I'm your host, Erin Trelore. Ready to peer behind the highlight reel and all those polished pictures of the world's biggest influencers and wellness experts, we're going to uncover what beauty, health, and wellness truly means in today's world. As someone who really struggled with disordered eating and negative body image, I became a health coach because I'm passionate about redefining health and wellness so that it's less about the weight on the scale and more about how we feel. Let's pull back the curtain for some raw beauty talks. All right, raw beauties. If you've ever struggled to come up with a consistent meal plan, if you've ever struggled to just feel inspired by and motivated around cooking and food, have I got the woman for you today. Tori Weiser is joining us. She is a registered dietitian, a cookbook author of Fresh Food, Full Hearts. This is one of my favorite cookbooks. And your blog is my go-to when I'm needing just a little pick-me-up in regards to you know, the weekly meal rotation. I feel like you have so many incredible, delicious recipes, but they're actually doable. It's not like I have to go to Greece to get the ingredients and like all these random places. I feel like I can actually just, I can do it. My kids love it. I could go on and on and on, but Tori's here today. Tori, welcome to the show. Oh, Erin, it is so great to be here. I have been wanting to chat with you for so long and I'm so excited that we get to do this on the podcast. It's finally happening. Okay, tell me. I'm so curious because every time I have ever worked with a dietitian, so often when you hear their story, it comes back to their own relationship with food. What's your story? Oh, that's a really good question. I've thought about this for a long time, to be honest. I feel like if I was going to get raw and real with anyone, it's going to be you. So I'm going to talk about some stuff that I've literally never talked about publicly. Yeah. So when I was younger, I uh, I had a a terrible relationship with food. I think, you know, when I was really young, like every kid growing up, you know, it was, it was just like, you just don't have those restraints. You just, you know, you eat your grandma's pierogies. You don't think about things. And then adolescence kind of hits. And remember a bunch of the girls that I was hanging out with, you know, some of them were dipping their toes in, like just packing a grapefruit for lunch and stuff like that. And unfortunately I kind of took that to the next level. Like they kind of carried on and didn't fall prey to that diet culture. Yeah, full disclosure, I I developed an eating disorder at a young age and it was awful. But yeah, so my relationship with food and my body has not always been what it is today. I have uh, thankfully come a long way, but I had a really like, it was a really scary time when I was younger. So, you know, when I was, when I was going through, you know, getting into like the school part of being a dietitian. You know, I was through my eating disorder at that point. I don't think I was like quite where like I am today with my like very groundedness. I'm 43 years old. You know, I've like, I now like really know my body. I really know what I stand for, you know? So I think back then there was still a lot of diet culture that was shaping me, you know, like the nineties were like fat free everything. And, and, and I, even the stuff I was taught in nutrition school, I look back and totally cringeworthy now, perfectly honest. So my roots in nutrition My initial, initial roots in food was like, was as a kid was not like super healthy, but it's certainly grown to be a really, I think like a really beautiful relationship with food that I have now. Well, I think this is really common that 
individuals who end up being registered dietitians, and of course, it's not always this way, that they had at some point a complicated relationship with food. And when you're struggling with an eating disorder or disordered eating, we tend to focus on food so much. It becomes a focal point. We want to control it. We're interested in it. Like, what are the macros? What are the calories? What's the nutritional value? And so it becomes something that we're almost, quote unquote, passionate about but maybe not in the most healthy way. And then it makes sense that as a young human being, when everyone's like, what are you passionate about? What are you going to school for? What are you interested in? That you're like food. I'm, I'm interested in food and health and wellness. And so you kind of end up going down this path. Now, you, you mentioned that you, when you went into dietetics, weren't in a space where you maybe like had that extreme eating disorder. How did you get from a place of eating disorder to a little bit more stability. I'd say it's a slow burn. My relationship with food evolved a lot. You know, I got help, um, which I will talk about, but it's so interesting because when I look back on it now, I think the education kind of fueled my obsession. I didn't really think about it at that time. It wasn't with the, the intention of this, but you get, you dive so deeply into the science and like it feeds that, like, like you said, the macros and the, the everything has to fit in this, in a box. Everything that I stand really, uh, quite frankly, against now when it comes to nutrition. <laughs> so it was really ironic. It's like, yeah, I kind of, I turned everything on its head now, but I was in not in a good space and my parents are beautiful, amazing people. And they were feeling very helpless when I was younger, a gal named Christina. Camilleri, who is still very active in this community with helping with eating disorder patients, helped me. Like it's some people don't really get over it the way I feel like I've been able to get over it. And I feel very grateful for that. You know, if anyone's listening who's going through an eating disorder or disordered eating, that just get getting help, you know, not feeling like that's a sign of weakness and that that you can do this because it's you can you can overcome it. A hundred percent. Absolutely. I just read somewhere the other day that eating disorders among teens are at an overwhelming rate, which makes so much sense given the insane amount of stress that everyone has been under in the last year. If you could say anything to parents who have kids that are going through this right now, what advice would you have for them? You know, don't ignore the early warning signs. It makes me a bit emotional thinking about it, but my friends came to my mom and they were like, we're worried something's not right. And my mom, it was really hard for her to admit, like she saw warning signs, but didn't want to believe that that was like her daughter. So I'd say, you know, if you have the early conversations and, you know, think about being a good model yourself, like it's so hard because, you know, kids pick up on so much. I think about, you know, there were times when she was hard on her body. She grew up in that culture too. You know, I remember her saying something about her hips or her, and then I start to look at my hips. I'd be like, oh, that should be a concern. Okay. Like, and so, you know, watch your own relationship with your food and the way you're projecting it outwards because they are watching and they're watching from a very young age. If there's some sort of a perceived, perceived issue, don't let it go on. Try and nip it in the bud and find some like really good qualified help early on because I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a roller coaster. And when that train goes out of control, it's really hard to get back into the driver's seat. So that's my own personal experience. I don't counsel people in the area, but I've certainly from my own experience, like I think that those are my, my biggest points. Beautiful. I know for me too, that my 
My mom was a little bit more proactive in wanting to get me help. My dad was in full denial. My dad was like, she just needs to work out more so that her appetite picks up. My mom's like, I don't think this is the problem, Bill. But he was just so, bless his heart, like just, there can't be anything wrong with her. Like, why would she be having this struggle? And we, and we just don't know. Luckily, I think nowadays there is a lot more awareness that this is a real thing and this is a struggle that can really take a firm grip. So have those conversations early, reach out for help. And then of course, doing the work yourself as an adult so that we're modeling behavior. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. Friends. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you a over. It's tricky because we're all so impacted by diet culture and these messages that we receive and we're such an online digital world taking photos and wanting to present a certain version of ourselves. I'm curious for you navigating this online world of perfection and obviously you have a brand to uphold and a beautiful brand at that where you love sharing gorgeous photos how do you navigate the balance of letting people in to see the real raw Tory and also upholding this brand and these beautiful images that just represent you as well yeah yeah it's a great question I mean I, I feel that the feed is kind of like it's kind of like the landing page of the blog on Instagram stories. I, you know, I'll, I'll go on fresh from the gym or I'll, I, I try and show the behind the scenes as much as I can. I feel like it's a work in progress to be honest, but I do, I do think that people need the daily reminder 
that Instagram should be a place of inspiration the moment we feel that whole comparison thing because comparison is the thief of joy or that's making us feel deficient. Mm-hmm. I really do think that, you know, some of that onus needs to fall on us. I have to check myself in. Totally. So being in this space of blogging and writing books and motherhood, do you find yourself in that space very often where you're comparing or you're just like, I just don't do that. I just met like somehow don't engage in comparison. I think most of us to some degree engage in comparison and I'm, I'm a sensitive person and I'm a perfectionist. So I think that combination just kind of like predisposes me to comparison. So my favorite saying is comparison is the thief of joy. It really does rob you of joy. And so there really, while there is no merit in it, I do find myself sometimes going into the like imposter or I should be, you know, I should be better at this like that, uh, you know, like, or look at all this that this person is doing. Why am I, I just can't seem to like get that all together. So I, I do find that sometimes I don't celebrate the things that I am doing, I kind of focus on the things that I'm not doing. And it kind of is that like, like that proverbial like whip. It's like, okay, work harder. I'm kind of like a very much not a workaholic, but like, I just like, I just will throw as much work at something as I need to, to be like as successful Mm -hmm. as that thing can get. So I think there has to be a little bit of an off tap. So to answer your question, yes, I do fall prey to it sometimes. I don't find myself scrolling a lot with Instagram. I do find it more inspiring when I do. I do believe in celebrating other people's success and I feel very happy. I don't, I don't often fall into the judgy, like jealous. It's more like, oh, I need to do some more of this, but I really do look at other people and I feel like I'm virtually high-fiving people all day. Cause I'm just like, oh man, like, you know, Sarah from Birds Papai, like she's killing it. Look Nailed it. Now I'm like, oh, like amazing. <laughs> and so I just, I do feel that even though there can be this air of comparison, it's not what it might always look like to some people. And I think if you look at Instagram in the right light, it is a very strong group of a lot of women that I follow that yes. I think are absolutely doing amazing jobs. And then I'm always just thinking, how can I help support them? How can I uplift them? If that was me, I would want, I would, I'm so grateful when someone does something that helps me. It's like, let's do this together. I just, I feel more inspired than anything in, in that whole uh, world of Instagram. Oh, I love it. I've actually never heard someone describe how I experience comparison in the way that you just did in that I am doing the virtual high fives for other women and celebrating them. But when I am not in a mentally strong place or I'm feeling more vulnerable, my tendency is to think I should be doing more. So it's not about like, oh, I'm not, I'm judging them or I feel like they're better, but it's just more, I all of a sudden want to dive into work more. And that's not, as you said, necessarily always healthy or a a good place to be doing the work from. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Interesting. I'm so curious to know what your food philosophy is now. Now that you've done this work and you've written the book and you live, I mean, you're feeding your family. What is food to you? Yeah, my food philosophy is really simple. I believe in eating wholesome food made with love with people that you are find in good company, like that you adore hanging out with. I do think eating together brings people much joy. I love feeding people. It is my love language. I just, Charles is always like, who's coming over now? I'm like, yeah, just stay for dinner. Just stay, like, just stay. Like, but I just think that food gets so damned overcomplicated. It's so interesting. It's so gimmicky. Like we're obsessed with a quick fix, you know, 
It's like the whole, you know, oh, everything in balance and moderation and people don't like that. That's not sexy. They want like keto. They want whole 30. They want some sort of a like in and out, like they don't want to just look deep at their overall eating pattern and, and adjust and enjoy. I don't know. Like, I think, I feel like we're in a tragic spot with food. We are missing the joy of food because we are so obsessed with food. We're so obsessed with what someone else who likely doesn't know what they're talking about is trying to tell us what to do because it's it sells. It's sexy. It sells. I just think that we need to remember that food is there to nourish us, that we are so fortunate to have food, first of all. Like there are so many countries that don't know where their next bite of food is coming from. We have food and we spend our energy, all this, it's almost like food is the new religion on figuring out how many grams of protein we should be having at this uh, and denying ourselves dessert or only eating one meal a day because that's, you know, it's instead of like, you know, sitting around this table, like in a, like the people in many cultures do, you think of Spain, you think of Italy and like that, that is like, that is an event, like a dinner is an event. And so I just think the love and the joy and the wholesomeness needs to be brought back to food. I think people get, feel way too much guilt. The whole guilty pleasure thing makes me crazy. It's like, just how about just drop the guilt? How about just pleasure? How about you just eat it and enjoy it? And when you feel like you're done with it, you're done and you high five yourself and you move on. I just would love, if nothing more in this world, if I am able to communicate, just bringing the love and the joy back to cooking, back to food. It doesn't have to be complicated. You know, sometimes you can eat from a, a, a package that shouldn't be like a forbidden thing. And when you yeah. do, that's okay. And if you're a busy mom and you happen to like, the best you can do that night is like Domino's pizza and maybe you throw a carrot stick on the side. Maybe you don't sometimes, whatever. <laughs> it's like we could get so much energy and time back if we just like literally just dropped all of that garbage garbage. Oh, I know. I think that at the end of the day, you said we're so obsessed with food. I think what we're obsessed with more than food is beauty and fitting this ideal body type. And and we've been sold that this image, like being a certain size and a certain weight will bring happiness, will bring vitality, will bring joy, will bring pleasure, all of these words that you're using. And we can't figure out, people can't figure out how to get there. And so they're contorting the food that they eat and using that as a tool to try and get there. In the meantime, we're missing out on all that pleasure that we're trying to get at the finish line of losing weight in the journey of actually fueling our body and of actually eating and and connecting. I mean, we know when people go on diets, they're cutting out the food that often with that comes a decrease in the amount that we connect right? You don't want to go to the dinner party because you don't know what's going to be served there or if it fits within the scope of what you can be eating. And you're more self-conscious. And so you start to pull away from people. And so all of these things that we're looking for in changing the shape of our body so drastically, and therefore changing the way that we eat, if we just sort of flip it on its head and start to look for those things, those feelings in our day-to-day life, what foods bring you pleasure? What ways of moving bring you pleasure? What relationships feel nourishing to you? Then we can tap into all of those things and tap into feeling better in our body and our weight will land where it's supposed to land for our body without having to work so damn hard. Amen. Amen. Do you now think about your weight when you're cooking? Are you like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that pasta because like tomorrow I better have more salads? Never. Would you have in the past? Oh, in the past? Are you kidding? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I used to get mad at myself for even eating carrot stick. 
And now I'll eat the pasta, I'll eat the cheesecake. There's days that I'm, I'm eating all that stuff, but I, I'll have a bite. And I, it's like, that, and a bite is enough. Food doesn't control me anymore. It doesn't have that power over me anymore. I have that power. I love food. And if I want to eat a bite of chocolate cake or a, or a big slice of chocolate cake, I will. And I will lick my lips the whole time and I will enjoy it. And I don't think about next day going to do more squats or like, no, it, it all balances out for me. But you know, I think that when you just have a balanced eating pattern and you stop giving food the permission, you stop labeling food as like bad or good, or if you do this, then you're going to have to do that much on the treadmill. When you stop doing that, then you, it's really interesting because when I was obsessed with food a long time ago, I would find myself being obsessed with like, oh my gosh, like my brother once dared me $20 to eat a French fry and I wouldn't eat the French fry, like, because I was in control. It was like that control thing. And this is a lot, that was right in the middle of having an eating disorder. But now I just like, I don't, food doesn't, it doesn't have that power over me. And so I know that people ask how I can bake so much and not, you know, lose control of my weight, if you will. And I just, I, I still eat it, but I just eat a little bit of it and I enjoy it. And, and because I enjoy it and I give myself permission to do that, I'm not obsessing over the other 12 cookies that are still there and that I could yeah. be eating them. Maybe I should. And maybe those thoughts aren't taking up my brain. I'm like, I could have a cookie if I want. And if I don't, I don't. Yeah. And it's okay. But those cookies aren't going anywhere. And hey, cookies, like you're okay. I'm okay. Yes. It's you eat intuitively without knowing it. You've now come back to a place which we're all born eating intuitively and you found your way home to that space again, which is brilliant. And I think a lot of people are in that space where food does have so much control over their life and they don't necessarily know the steps to take. And there are so many resources out there on how to eat intuitively. Obviously, I talk about the reset. There's so many podcasts. We can link to some options down below in the show notes for you. But I love hearing that you're in the space that you're in right now. And as a result, able to share this gift that you have with all of us. dying to hear. So you have two kids and a f business, businesses probably. I mean, there's just a lot going on. You released your book last year. You've got a lot on the go. How the hell do you meal plan and coordinate meals and cook all the time with all of this going on? Well, it really depends on the week, to be honest, because we there are some weeks that we are cooking 30 things a day. So there's like, there's some weeks that it's like, I'm just giving away food and we have tons in there. But on an average week, if there's not that same level of production, I would say it's often we're using the meal plan that I have, uh, which is called Fresh Table. And it, it everything's prepped on the Sunday. The groceries are done. There's no thinking about it. And the menu is up on, I have like a little printable menu thing that we just print out what we're having and the kids don't have to ask me what's for dinner because it's right there. Ooh, love that. Yeah, I love having like just the dinner, like what's for dinner written on a board so that nobody has to actually be bugging me. Like, or I'm not even thinking about it. I'm like, oh yeah, tonight we're having tacos. You're not thinking about it. 
Okay. So with this meal plan, does it come with recipe ideas or is it more of a template? Like here's what I do. So there are plug and play weeks. You can change them up for any weeks, but it's uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or just dinner. If you just want dinner and you can yes. get it for two or four, four people. So it's a flexible model. You can oh, have amazing. For two people one week. And then if you're having company over, you could scale it up. But yeah, so there's a vegan gluten-free and a no restrictions option. And uh, there's just different weeks to choose from. So you literally just choose a week that you like because what happens is that when you buy groceries, I really am passionate about reducing food waste. I think it's a big thing for me. So I really like the idea of we created this meal plant that leverages the same or similar ingredients, but making it different. So, you know, a taco on Tuesday might end up being your taco salad um, or a breakfast burrito, depending on, you know what I mean? So the idea is at the end of the week, you have little to no food waste. So we're working on some more customizable for the people who really just want to kind of piece their own meal plan together. But that's how this one works. And it's worked for a lot of people. It's been really, really helpful. So neat to see the feedback. Oh my gosh, I'm getting on board with this. I need all the help that I can get. I love doing personally my meal plan on Sunday as well, mapping out. I just do dinners for our family, mapping out our dinners, and then I'll make a grocery list. And even though it's a bit more work on the Sunday, I think it substantially reduces our cost of food, substantially reduces wastage, and then ultimately saves me so much time because my mind isn't thinking all day, Monday, what are we having for dinner? How am I going to get to the grocery store? Shoot, what do I have in the fridge? I mean, it's one of those things where so many of us have a massive amount of decision fatigue right now where it's like you're always having to make choices and this just simplifies it. But I want yours because you have the recipes. So that just takes it to a whole nother level. Oh yeah. No, I'll send it to you. You can check it out. Oh, I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I'm so excited. Yeah. It'll be my gift to you. Thank you. (laughs) You're so sweet. Do your kids love food? Have they always been good eaters? Yeah. Yeah. So Charlie's a great eater now. So how we always, when he was young, I was really careful about like how pushy you get with food. Cause there's this, you know, whole food philosophy around yes. like introducing foods and creating healthy relationships with foods. And so we would say, yeah, okay, buddy, like just try it, try one bite. You don't like it now. You'll like it later. So he's a pretty sweet little thing, but he would say, okay, mommy, I don't like it now, but I'll like it later. And so he'd keep trying it. And then, then eventually he would he would try it and like it and now he eats so much and it's pretty funny because he has friends over and I'm like my little mummy sneaky mummy thing is like I literally will try and get vegetables and anything but he's really proud of it so he's like he'll watch me make some muffins and I'm like I'm cramming all sorts of things that kids would not want to see go in their muffins but he's like awesome he's eating it and then his friends come over and they're like eating it they're like oh Tori this is really good and Charlie's like you know a mouthful of muffin actually this has like avocado and you know, zucchini and blah, blah, blah. And, and they're like spitting it out. And he's like, what's, what's the problem? This is amazing, guys. Like, I guess we just can't advertise these things. So Max is going through a fussy stage. He's he's four. He'll, he'll get through it. And he eats a decent amount, but he's one day he likes avocado and the next thing day he's spitting it out. But I just know that this will pass. Does it stress you out? Is it like, oh my God, we've got to get this kit? Or you're just like, he'll, he, as you just said, he'll figure it out as they do. They do. So there's this whole idea of uh, Ellen Satter. You may be familiar with her work, but she basically, you know, it's basically like the, the division of responsibility. So, you know, as a parent, we're responsible for what we put in front of them and, you know, creating the meal times. Uh, they're really ultimately responsible for if they eat and what they eat in terms of the food selection. So, you know, I think bringing healthy choices or better choices, you can have some sometimes foods in there, but like, no, they'll be okay. Like there are very few children who like literally won't eat. They will be okay. So I 
don't stress at all. I look at the overall pattern just like I do with my own diet. And I'm like, oh, if today was a bit of a miss and they end up having whatever, like something less nutritious, it's fine because I know that in the big scheme of things, they're getting good nutrition. Um, we don't use junk food. I don't use that word in our house. Uh, we talk about sometimes foods and everyday foods and mm-hmm. just making good choices about, you know, sometimes Charlie's like, is that, is that healthy for me? To Max has been asking a lot of this healthy for me. Um, you know, and we're talking about like, oh, you know, like this is a healthier choice. It's like, this will, this will help your body be big and strong, but you know, you can have that once in a while. That's okay, buddy. Like go for it. If you want the ice cream cone, yeah. that's like totally like enjoy it. Let's have one together. You know? I love it. I think so much of what kids pick up in the early days is just our overall vibe around food. Are we stressed out? Does dinner time feel like a chore and like we're forcing them to eat things that they don't want to eat? Jen Messina, who's also a registered dietitian, came on the show and did an episode specifically on introducing food to kids and creating a healthy relationship with food and kids. And I picked up so many tips from that conversation that are so aligned with what you're saying right now, even this with the sometimes foods, not labeling foods as good or bad or junk, but rather just encouraging them to try a variety of different foods to, to notice uh, intuitively for them what feels pleasurable, what doesn't feel good to them. Kids are, are naturally just such intuitive eaters. Like some days they're starving and they're eating so much and other days they're barely touching their food, but they know, they know what they need. And as you said, if we're presenting them with options and variety, then over time, their little taste buds are going to grow into it. No, it's true. How, how have you found it with your kids? James has always been a good eater in that he'll have a variety of different foods. Brooklyn, definitely more picky, definitely more visual. She'll see something and she's like, absolutely not having that curry. There's no way. And so I will create different bowls for them, separate a bit of the curry sauce. Maybe I'll pull out a little bit of like the chicken or prawns and I'll put that in a different dish. And then I'll just give her her rice and some veggies on the side and let her pick and choose what she's comfortable eating and trying. We generally encourage them to try one bite and just to notice if they like it or not and to describe the food like, oh, what does it taste like? Is it sour? Is it sweet? And we just get really curious about it. But we definitely don't put a lot of stress on forcing them to eat if they're not hungry. Well, you know, we set boundaries around like you can't have a snack right after dinner if you're saying that you're full now. But if your body's full, then your body's full and kind of moving on from there. The thing I've been navigating lately is that Brooklyn is so into getting herself dressed and coming to us for affirmation about what she's put together. And I find it really hard not to be like, you look so cute and like, love this little dress that you put on or no, what are you wearing? I, (laughs) you know, you have these thoughts. She's determined to get dressed by herself to put together these outfits. She does not want me to pick them out. And then she wants to be told that she looks good. So I'm trying to work on saying things like, oh, I love how creative you were when you put that together. Those are fun colors today. And just try and keep it fun and let and make sure that she knows that what she's wearing isn't the most important thing about her. The other day when she was having dinner, she pulled up her shirt. She's three, almost four. And she said, mom, is my tummy getting bigger? And it took my breath away. And I was like, uh, I, 
and I said, oh, do you want your tummy to be getting bigger? She's like, yeah, I'm eating. It looks like it's getting bigger. I'm feeling pretty full. I realized she has no connotation of what she's saying. There's not a weight on this, like, what I'm imagining there is. She's just imagining she's putting food into her tummy and it's expanding and she's checking in with me to see if I agree. So it's it's interesting navigating these things, especially when you work in the world that I work in and have the history that I do, which is similar to yours. And I just really want to try and protect both my kids from that. Yeah. Do you find, so I have two boys and you have a boy and a girl. Do you find that you're navigating two different people from that perspective? And, um, or like, are you finding that that James is having those those same... Are you worried about your dialogue with James the same way that you're worried about your dialogue with Brooklyn? I'm just really curious because I only have two boys. It does feel different, if I'm being honest. It shouldn't, but it does. Part of it is, I mean, with the clothing piece, James, still, he's six now, does not think about what he's wearing for two seconds, would prefer for me to get him dressed every morning, <laughs> like does not care. In regards to food, he's always been pretty easy around it. We haven't had to think about it a lot. He likes a variety of different foods. He's very sweet obsessed. So if anything, I've kind of just had to navigate that. But we've also like just let him go for it sometimes with sweets. And he'll say to me like, mom, I feel sick. My head hurts. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? That's what happens when we have so much sugar in our body and so much sweet. It doesn't feel great, does it? And he's like, no. And now he'll be like, I don't want to feel sick. How much of this can I eat to not feel sick? And we'll, you know, talk about that. But it's different. The one thing I would say that was interesting having a boy and a girl is that Brooklyn wanted to paint her nails at one point. And Jay was like, oh, I want to paint my nails. And my husband was like, painting your nails is for girls. And he was like, why? And I was like, yeah, why? Well, if you want to paint your nails, let's paint your nails. Because who does get to decide that that's only for girls? And I mean, we're not going to set those narratives at this point. He'll decide what works for him. So off he went to school with his painted nails and he was happy as could be. Yeah. No, I painted Max's nails red. But he just, he changed his mind, not because it was a girl thing, but because it was, he just all of a sudden didn't like the color once it was done. But I was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll paint your nails. I agree. I I love it. I love it. So, okay. We have a couple questions from IG followers. We've touched on a few of them, but how do you manage life, work, motherhood, marriage balance? Oh, some days better than others. I've come to like, I don't know if I really love the word balance anymore. I feel like it conjures up that perfectionistic beast in me and I just don't really love it. So I don't know, some days I feel like I have good boundaries and a a lot of other days I I feel like you can't predict things and, and, you know, things are messy and I've, you know, like Max is home today and I'm trying, you know what I mean? Like you're just trying to juggle things. And so I don't, I do think that uh, for me personally, I need to do a better job of working on boundaries because I have like a little bit of FOMO in life where I want to be the mom that's that's always present with my kids. And like, I, I kind of hold myself to like my own personal standard of what my like a stay at home mom would I would be like is that plus layering on the work plus so that really leaves very little room for true balance to be perfectly honest. I at one point used to just work and work and work and get very little sleep not too long ago, to be honest, and then realized that that was not um, sustainable, especially because I have a strong family history of Alzheimer's disease. And when you look at the literature, sleep is one of the absolute must haves to help reduce the risk. So I, you know what, Aaron, I just, I do my best. I, my child is in daycare. Um, I have uh, this wonderful, amazing person that helps me with cleaning my house. I have a team of people where I didn't before. 
and I am not afraid to ask for help anymore. So I think that's my biggest thing is just, it's just ask, asking for help and just knowing that you, you kind of can't do everything. So there's sometimes I'll look at my house and I'll look at my to-do list. I'm like, okay, what's more important? Like, cause only one thing can get done. So I, you know, I can't, I can't clean my floors and also write this blog post. And I know that the blog post is going to like help me, you know, move forward and the floors are just going to be dirty. And that's just the way it should be. <laughs> like, so it's like, there we go. There was my choice. I love it. I think you're, you're obviously managing it all. And there is no such freaking thing as balance. It's one day, something's getting more of your attention one day, the other, and we're constantly in choice, right. About where we're directing that attention to. But you're just crushing it over there. So whatever you're doing, just keep working on it. Ooh, any tips for grocery shopping? So when I'm not using the meal plan, I use an app called Todoist. It's pretty cool because you can assign things to other people, <clears throat> your husband. And so like you can invite your like your uh, your special other person. But it's an interactive list. And, uh, and so I organize the list according to like, you know, sometimes it's like either priority or the grocery stores and keep all their fruits and vegetables together because you're, you're everything fresh yes. and less processed is at the perimeter of the grocery store. And of course your more processed foods um, are in the middle of the grocery store. And so I'll kind of organize it that way. And then I can see when someone is clicking something off and it gives a satisfying ding and it makes my little organized heart <laughs> like happy. Oh my like, gosh. Sign me up for this. What's it called again? It's called Todoist. I believe it's a Microsoft okay. application. I, I really like that. Don't go grocery shopping hungry. I mean, that's an obvious one. What happens? Don't take your kids grocery <laughs> shopping. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just not, that is really not, I mean, some people like, can't help it. They have to, but there's nothing more stressful to me than taking my kids grocery shopping. It's like everything that they, you know, they've, they put at eye level, all the cereal. All the things. Are, like, yeah. I mean, my kids, especially when they're together, they're just so loud. Everyone's looking at us. I mean, yeah, those are all great, great tips. Starting shopping the perimeter of the grocery store. Do you ever, do you ever do food delivery services now? There's so many great grocery delivery options. Yeah. Yeah. I get uh, food delivery all the time. I've tried them all out. Um, to yes. be honest, um, inevitably there seems to be like, Oh, we know something was missed. I actually happens to be perfectly honest more often than not, but only cause we're so particular about what we need with the, the things that we're doing. If it were just feed for my family most of the time, I'd be like, ah, no big deal. You know, sub this, that's, that's totally cool. But yeah, um, when you do take your kids grocery shopping, one thing you can do is get them to be curious. Uh, if you, you know, like, again, it is more relaxing with like the kids, but there is a teachable moment. Let's be real. So, you know, if you, if you want to lean into that, uh, if you don't, that's, I understand that you want to lean into it, you know, you could get them to find, uh, you know, new fruit or vegetable that they haven't tried and get them to explore it. Then you go home and you look it up and you like cut into it and you get curious about it and then they learn about it. And then you love that. Yeah. So I did that once with like dragon fruit with Charlie. And I told him that if he ate it, he might turn into a dragon, you know, it's it's touching. But we're going to have to see. Yeah, have, yeah, so it was like a full thing. Of course, everyone was sold on dragon fruit for like a week. I'm like, <laughs> but the reality is when kids are involved in the decision making, when you involve them, whether it be in the prep or the, the procurement or the making of something, they're much more, of course, proud of it. And they're much more likely to actually eat it. So I say just don't give up and keep trying, even if they make it and they don't like it. Keep on doing that. Like it's, it does pay off in the end. It feels um, some days a little bit impossible, but it does pay off. Some days you just have to get them Skittles and tell them to sit in the cart. Please don't <laughs> let go of the cart. 
Oh my goodness. I love it. I love those tips. I'm going to try that this week for sure. Tori, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Where can everybody find you? Where can they find your meal plan as well? Okay. So we have an Instagram. We've just started an Instagram for the meal plan. It's at fresh table. Um, so as spelt the creme fresh way. So F R A I C H E E N table, fresh table.com is the meal plan. You can get all the details there. And then for all of the other stuff that we do, Fresh Living. So it's at Fresh Living, spelled the same way, F-R-A-I-C-H-E, living. And then freshliving.com is the blog where we have, you know, all sorts of lifestyle stuff, some home decor, a lot of, a lot of recipes. And, and then the cookbook is Fresh Food Full Hearts. We'll link to everything down below. My very last question for you, if you could write an email that was going to land in the inbox of every woman's email provider... And then you were done. What would that message say? I, oh gosh, it'd probably be a book because I'm not short-winded, but you are beautiful. Like I've felt it. I see it that we're so hard on ourselves. And I just would love to give every woman like a big like hug and just be like, you are good. Like you are, you are doing great and you are beautiful just the way you are. Don't change a thing. Hold your head up high and just do you. Perfection. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking to you today. Oh, thank you, Erin. Likewise. Take care. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this week's episode. Please take a moment to rate, review, or follow on your favorite podcast app and share this episode with someone that you think could benefit. Join the Robbie Detox community at Robbie Detox. And remember, it's your story, your body, your mind, and your journey. So think about what resonates with you and leave the rest behind. I'll see you next week. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com listen or on your favorite podcast platform.